Hey, this morning, the title of my message is The Two Candidates. The definition of candidate is a person seeking some kind of position. So that's a good definition. So this morning, I want to talk about two individuals who are seeking a position, vying for your attention. They both want a commitment from you. Amen? Some out there don't want to line up with either one. They're telling you that uh, you can stay neutral, that you don't have to commit to either one of these candidates, if you will. Um, I want to tell you this morning that a non-committal position is actually a decision to side with one of these two. And some might say that I should keep my opinion to myself, but I want to say this morning that um, I have studied a lot. I've, I've been reading a lot. I have some insight, and I want to share that with you this morning. There's two candidates that want you to follow them. One is a liar and a manipulator and has been a liar forever. The other comes from abundance and is promising you abundance. This morning, we're going to look into some of the promises, the backgrounds. We're going to look into some letters, some things that each of them have said. And first, we're going to start by looking at the liar. And believe it or not, we're going to start by going into the Word of God, which is probably a good place since we're in the church this morning. And there's some who disagree with me, but I am confident that this first one that we're going to talk about really actually has a desire to see you destroyed. No doubt about it. Some people would call this an angel. They want to steal from you. It's trying to deceive you. And I want to say even this, the followers of this one, the followers, I'm just going to be really blunt, they're just demons. Absolutely just demons. They want you to put your whole life into their hands. And I have a warning about this liar and the followers because I already know the outcome. And it's actually written in the Word of God in Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20 says this, and the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Because the devil's end is the lake of fire along with all who follow him. For he is the liar. He is the deceiver. He is the murderer. Who did you think I was talking about? (laughs) Did you think I was going to talk about politics today? Two candidates. The first candidate I'm going to look at this morning wants you. He doesn't need your support. He wants it anyway. And I want to tell you some things about this candidate, the devil. This candidate goes by several names. We'll look at a few of them this morning and talk about uh, how we got some of these uh, names. The Bible actually doesn't give us much background on the devil. There's a couple of passages that talk a little bit about the the background of of the devil. And they're a little obscure, and they're actually a controversy of whether they're talking about the devil or not because they come out of prophetic books. Um, There's two main passages we'll talk about the devil's origin and give some descriptions as well. Isaiah 14, 12, and Ezekiel chapter 28. Both of those places in the Bible talk about where the devil came from. Now, some uh, would believe that it's not referring to the devil. Isaiah chapter 14 talks about, and this is one of the names that the devil has been given by people, the bright, mor- the, the, not the bright, but the morning star, son of the morning. 
And this is actually where, where we get the name that, that uh, many people call the devil, and that's Lucifer. In the Latin, when they were translating the, the, uh, the original Hebrew text, and the Greek te- text, the, the word in Latin, Lucifer, means light or sun. And so it was a translation of the morning star or the sun of the morning. Um, and so when the King James people were translating it, they didn't even really know for sure what to do with this word. And so they just put in Lucifer. And so that's where we get the name Lucifer. Otherwise, the only time it p- plays is in the Bible. And it was more of a description than his name. But uh, in, since that time in the 1500s, we have adopted that name for the devil, Lucifer. It's the only place you'll see it in the Bible. And it's really actually a pretty bad translation and so, but the, the morning star. Ezekiel, and, and so in that um, passage in Isaiah chapter 14, he's actually talking about the king of Babylon. The king of Babylon was the morning star. And let's go ahead and go there real quick and just kind of look at that passage. Isaiah chapter 14 is right after Isaiah chapter 13, in case you can't find it. So if you've got a King James or a New King James Bible, it's going to say Lucifer in it. All the others will not. In the New King James, it says, How you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. I really think that the other translations in this instance are better, and we'll keep it at morning star. Because the morning star is talking about the sun and its splendor and its brightness. This prophecy in Isaiah is about the king of Babylon, but I believe it can also apply because sometimes prophecies are, are double prophecies. Um, even the prophecies of Jesus were actually also talking about a real person in ancient history. How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations, for you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds and I will be like the most high. That was the king of Babylon's heart. This was written before the king of Babylon was, was actually in that much power. And, and, but it's also, I believe, a reference to uh, the devil. Uh, 14, 12, starting in 12. 12, 2, about 14. Um, so whether or not for sure it's, it's pointing to the devil, I, it's not agreed on. But um, uh, one of the reasons people don't know for sure if it's... it's, it's talking about the devil is because one of the names for Jesus, if you remember, I believe it was in Revelation, was that Jesus was called the bright morning star. And so there are some people out there who would say that, that Satan and Jesus are the same person. And, and if you haven't heard that, some people have heard that are shaking their heads. Actually, I can barely see you without my glasses. There you are. And, and so some people would actually say that Jesus and Satan are the same person because of this verse. And, it's, and remember, these, these texts, the, the ancient texts of the Bible were written in other languages. Um, not, they weren't written in English. You know, Jesus didn't speak English. He didn't speak English with a British accent either. <laughs> and that's why most people hear Jesus because of all the movies. How come they always do that? They go, hey, well, Jesus probably didn't speak English, so let's give him a British accent. Anyways, and so... <sighs> We got to remember that um, Je- Jesus was Middle Eastern. He was dark complexion. He probably did not have blue eyes. You ever met any Middle, Middle Easterners with blue eyes? There might be a couple, but it's nah. He's probably brown eyes and brown complexion. That's Jesus. Um, the the Bible is written in this land. Anyway, so so 
Um, the morning star, it's a picture of somebody who's in power and who's beautiful. I want to go to Ezekiel chapter 28, um, starting in verse 12. Starting in verse 12. Give you a second. God bless you. Ezekiel chapter 20, starting in verse 12, says this, Son of man, take up a lament concerning the king of Tyr. And say to him. So again, this is a prophecy against the king of Tyre, but listen to this. This is what the sovereign Lord says. You are the model of protection. We're going to learn some things about the devil this morning. You are the model of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. This is not talking only about the king of Tyre. Not at, not, not at any stretch because the king of Tyre was not in the garden of Eden. Okay, but who was? Remember the serpent? Right there in the Garden of Eden. So we really believe this, this prophecy in, is, is a description of Satan. Perfect in beauty, you were in Eden, the Garden of God. Every precious stone adorned you, ruby, topaz, emerald, chrysolite, onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and beryl. Your settings and mountings were made of gold. On the day that you were created, they were prepared. Okay, there's some de- uh, theology about the devil that we need to understand. The devil is a created being. He is not equal with God. In fact, if I were to say, give me the opposite of hot, you would say, if I were to say, give me the opposite of on, you would say, give me the opposite of God, you're wrong. God has no opposite, because an opposite is the equal on the other side. There is no opposite of God, because he is the only one who has his power, who has his ability. He is the only non-created person the opposite of god is not the devil the opposite of michael the archangel might be the devil because the devil is a created being and that's important for us to understand when we're thinking about the enemy of our souls this devil he's not the opposite of god and god going i hope i can win this battle against him there is no opposite of god he is in his own category the devil was a created being you were anointed as guardian cherub. So we, we believe that, that his role in heaven was actually sitting above the throne of God before he fell. With his, with it, we can see his, his wings outstretched guarding the, the throne of God. For so I ordained you. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones, the angels of heaven. You were blameless in your ways from the day that you were created till wickedness was found in you. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God and I expelled you, O guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to earth and made a spectacle of you before the kings. That's a picture of the devil. In the scriptures, he's given the name the morning star. He's given the name uh, the devil. He's given the name Satan. We're going to read some, I'm going to go through some passages this morning. And, uh, and those are the only two passages that we really have a, a, a beginning of the devil. And I, I believe, I agree with the, the, the commentators that I read is because the God doesn't want us to really spend a lot of time thinking about the origins of the devil. We don't want to give a lot of place uh, for the devil. So I'm going to try to move through this fast. We're going to talk about the other candidate. Can we do that? the one who comes from abundance and wants you to have abundance. Anyways, John chapter 8 says this. We're going to learn some things about this, 
the devil or Satan. You belong to your father. He, uh, Jesus was talking to the, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desire. He, the devil, was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. John 8, chapter, chapter 8, verse 44. When the devil lies, he speaks his native language. Some of you might have a native language other than, other than English. It's just what comes out naturally. When I go to other countries, uh, my native language just comes out. It's just I, I keep falling into it. When I try to speak Spanish, I throw in English words. It's my native language. The devil's native language is lying. He is a liar and the father of lies. The devil is really good at lying, and the best liars throw in a portion of truth and lie that makes the entire thing a lie. In the Garden of Eden, he deceived and stretched the truth to Eve. Why don't you want to eat that? God knows that your eyes will become open and you'll know good from evil and you will be like God. What can be like God? Nobody. It's a lie with a little bit of truth, knowing good from evil. Yeah, that's what happened to Eve. She knew good from evil, and that was the only similarity between her and God. The devil's a liar, and he lies all the time. Revelation chapter 12, Revelation chapter 12 calls the devil the deceiver. He's come to deceive you, and he's doing a really good job. In fact, he's doing such a good job that most people I, I, I shouldn't say most. Many, many people in the United States of America today do not believe in the devil. They don't believe in the devil. Many people believe in hell, and they know a lot of people going to hell, just not them, but they don't believe in the devil. The Bible says to be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone he may devour He's a liar, he's the deceiver, he's our adversary, and he's looking for people to devour. 2 Corinthians 11 says this, And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. He's a liar, he he's a deceiver, he wants to destroy people, and he masquerades as an angel of light. Remember how beautiful he was in the beginning. Now, we have this crazy, ugly look. Of, of, of Satan and I believe that sin has marred him but I believe the Bible says that he can masquerade as an angel of light and he can look really 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 good the new age is a great example of how good the devil can look because in the new age it teaches us all these wonderful things that, that the gods want us to be and to be enlightened and the devil himself comes in and he masquerades even in visions if you know anyone who's ever been in the new age these people see visions of spiritual beings and these be beings almost always are beautiful beautiful P Gary's testimony he, part of his testimony many 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 years ago was when he was on drugs he died and, he, and, his, and his friend had to bring him back to life by giving him CPR. And he says when he was dead, he saw like these beautiful beings and everyone was naked and, and, and they were he felt like he was supposed to go, to go to them and he was being and all of a sudden it was like he, had, he came back and he doesn't believe that he was seeing God. 
because he wasn't a Christian at the time. He believes what he was saying, seeing even in that moment were demons trying to get him to go the rest of the way and choose death, masquerading as angels of light. That's the deceiver. He's a deceiver. He's a deceiver. And he's deceiving and lying to us all the time. Second Corinthians 4.4 4. So one of these days we have to have Gary come and, and share his testimony. In their, in their case, the God of this world, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. Have you ever talked to somebody who didn't know Christ and you're like, how come you can't understand how much God loves you, that he has a plan for you? Because the God of this age has blinded the mind of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. The only thing that can break that is the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of prayer and the power of God. And we need to pray for these people. I gotta go faster because I'm spending too much time on the devil. John 10.10 says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. That's why he came, to steal, to kill, and destroy. I believe that God came, that Jesus Christ came to heal, to fill, and to deploy. Okay? That's why, that's why Jesus came, to heal, to fill with his Holy Spirit and deploy us into the world. But the, the enemy, the thief, and that's another thing, he's a thief. He comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Who, Hebrews 2.14 says that the devil has the power of death. Because, see, he has the power over this realm that we live in. The only thing is that because we've been translated to another kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, we are not subject to his power if we walk in the authority. But Satan, the devil, has power of death on this world. And, and, And we have to break his authority. And the Bible says that we have authority over him, but many people don't use it. Many people don't walk in that. Um. In Zechariah 3, and I, you can go there make, if you want to make notes, it's an interesting part because it's, it shows that Satan is standing next to the throne of God. And you'd think, oh my goodness, in the book of Job says the same thing, that Satan, the, the devil came in and out and he went to the presence of God and he accused Job. And in Zechariah 3, he comes in, he's standing next to the throne of God and he is accusing Joshua, the high priest. The devil goes right before the throne of God and accuses you to him. He knows your name. So that's the devil. It's not looking very good. I don't think I'm going to vote for him. Let me talk about that in a minute. Let's talk about the other candidate. It said that the other candidate comes from abundance and wants you to have abundance. John 10.10 says... Jesus, I, I, Jesus, came to give you life and life to the full, life abundantly. He has come to give you abundant life. That doesn't mean he's come to give you abundant money, church. Well, you know, we, we, sometimes we think that's what that means. And, oh, yes, he wants to give you an abundant life with cars and houses. And, you know, if, if that's it, then he's not doing a very good job for 95% of the world. He wants to give us life. The best moments in your life was when you had joy, you had peace, you had fellowship. That's what life is. Knowing that we will go to heaven and be with Jesus forever is life. He's come to give us life. God himself, and I, and I, I, I had to use, I, I was going to say candidate number two. I don't even want to, that's why I said the other candidate because God is never going to take a number two place. Amen? 
Amen. So the other candidate who's candidate number one is God. Both of these candidates want your commitment. They both do. Satan, he wants your commitment to him. What's interesting is that you don't have to commit to him. You just have to not commit to God. This kind of sounds familiar with what's happening kind of in this election process, huh? You know. But listen, God wants your commitment to him not for himself. Has anyone feel, felt used ever because you know, felt like somebody was candidating for your vote or for your time or for your affection and you just felt dirty because you're like, they only want this for themselves. This isn't about me. God wants your commitment to him for you, not for himself. Some people make God out to be this egocentric thing up there that says, I just want everyone to worship me because I'm so good myself. That is not God. That's man. Man does a lot of things to get people to worship them, to look at them. That's not God. We can't ascribe things of man to God because it always falls short. God is is so loving and so kind and he's so good and there's no evil in him that he wants you to commit yourself to him not so he can feel better about himself but because he wants to give you life. He wants to change you from the inside out and he doesn't want to take away your fun. So many people think that God is the big killjoy in the sky that when you commit yourself to him he's not going to let you you know, drink or chew or run with the girls who do. <laughs> he knows what's good. I want to tell you, I want to focus in. And, you know, I believe most of us in here this morning, where you believe in, in Jesus. You're here because uh, most of you are here because you know God. If you're here, you're just checking things out. And you're, you know, maybe you're in a place you're just like, I kind of need to check out God or church. Or I'm glad you're here. I'm, you know, li- listen to these things I'm saying. Test them. Uh, ask, ask one of the leaders if, uh, if you have any questions. But the Bible teaches us everything that we need to know about God. The Bible does not teach us everything there is to know about God. Okay. This is a big book. Some of you have read it cover to cover. Right? If you read about 15 to 20 minutes a day, you can read the Bible, the whole Bible, in one year. If you're a slow reader, it might take you two of reading about 15 to 20 minutes a day. Everything about God is not contained in here. God just gave us the stuff we need to know about. Pretty cool, huh? There is so much more. He is so vast and beyond our comprehension that until we're with him in heaven, there's going to be secrets that are just like he just keeps them from us like one of the biggest secrets of the universe. We don't have the answer yet. God, why did you make mosquitoes? <laughs> I mean, things like that. We'll know we'll someday when we're in heaven. The Bible teaches us, though, about God and his nature and his character, and we study that regularly here at Christian Center, and, and we can never learn all there is to know about God, his love for us, his character, his desires for us. But this morning, we're gonna, I want to really remind most of you some of these things to help us remember God when it's time to vote. You know, this, this election season, some of the strategies out there for getting your vote have nothing to do with you remembering what they believe or what they stand on. They only want you to remember their name. 
there's some candidates that when you go to the box, if, if, if you're, you're probably an, a semi-average person, you're going to look at some of these candidates' names and go, oh, I've heard about him. You might not even remember where you heard about him, but you've, dr- you've just seen so many placards and so many signs and so many his name over and over again. You kind of, you know, and if the colors were just right on the sign, it made you feel good at the moment. Because they're manipulating. And they might be the right person to vote for too, but that's all it is. See, that's not it with God. He really wants us to know him and know him intimately so that when it's time to vote, for you to vote, which you do every day, multiple times a day. Will I serve God or will I serve the devil? And there's some other candidates in this race we don't have time to talk about. Another candidate is, is you because you are vying for the, the, the front seat of your life, your flesh, all the time. In fact, you know, my flesh is, you know, especially when I, before I, you know, became a, a Christian and, and wasn't allowing the Holy Spirit to have the place in my life. The fl- I didn't need help from the devil. My flesh knew how to sin really, really well all on its own. I didn't even need a temptation from the devil. I just went, let's go sin. But we won't talk about the flesh today. Don't have time. Who are you going to vote for? On a daily basis, on the weekend? I'm talking about the decisions of who we're going to listen to when a lie comes into our brains, into our thoughts. You know, in 1 Chronicles 21, it says that Satan incited David to call for a census. You know, there was a time that David called for a census, and it was like a horrible moment in his, in his uh, reign. Horrible. And it says that Satan incited him to do it from the inside of his brain. He didn't come out and say, hey, David, you should take a census. He used his own thoughts. The devil has a way to get into your thoughts and to put in little seeds. He does it all the time. What we do with those seeds is really important because the thought comes in and he can't make us sin, but he gets the thought and we start playing with the thought. And we don't even know often if that thought is truth or if it's a lie. God wants to come and he wants to, wants to wash our minds. I remember my, my brother when he became a Christian. People says, oh, you're just brainwashed. And he used to say, good. My brain needed a good scrubbing. Because <laughs> we got some dirty minds out there. I'll try not to look at anybody. <laughs> we got some dirty-minded people that we used to be. But we've been bought at a price. And God wants to heal us. He wants to heal our thoughts. You, do you know that, that you can stop telling dirty jokes if you'll allow God into your brain and let him have his way? You can stop having wicked thoughts. I'm talking to some of you this morning. And I don't know which ones, which is good. You can stop having those wicked thoughts, not, not just because you're going to really try hard, but because you're submitting your life and your heart and your mind to God. And instead of telling the jokes, you're gonna, I'm not going to tell that joke. I'm going to wash my, my, my brain in the word of God and let God have his way. So who is this God who wants your commitment? Psalm 100, all over the place, but a couple places. Psalm 100, if you're taking notes, Psalm 135 and Psalm 145 all have this line in it. The Lord is good. 
God is good. It's important to remind us, remind ourselves, God is good. He's not bad. He's not angry at you all the time. He doesn't want to mess up your life and take away your fun. He is good. And, and, and in a level of good that we can't even comprehend. All of us in this room could probably fu- think of some people and say, you know, they're a really good person. But if you thought long and hard about it, you'd say, yeah, but sometimes they're really just, nah. Right? You know, I mean, there's, there's people, man, but, but for the most part, they are really good. No, no. God is Psalm 34, I love this. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. It's wonderful to tell people. I don't know about this. You know what? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Kind of like test them. Just check them out. God is good. What is he also? He's good. He's true. God is true. And not only is he true, John 14, 6 says this. I am. Yo soy. I am, not I do, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Some of you might be good at directions. And you might say, hey, I know the way to get to some. And if they say, I'm glad that you know the way, I'm still going to get lost. Can I follow you? And you would say, sure, well, if you're a nice guy. You'd say, sure, I'll drive and you just follow me because I know the way. They might say, I'll even drive in your car with you and I'll tell you which way to turn because I know the way. Would any of you ever say, don't worry, go with me because I am the way? You'd be like, "Uh, no, you can stay in your own car. Jesus said... I am the way. I am the way. I am the truth. He didn't say I tell the truth. I know the truth. He says I am the truth. So when we think of truth and lie, we have to just line everything up to God, to Jesus. And if it doesn't line up with him, it's not truth because Jesus is... We'll try it again. Jesus is truth. Jesus is the truth. If you guys remember, now we're going to go back to English grammar. Do you remember the difference between well, do you remember what an article is? Okay, some of you remember articles. It's not the thing you read in the newspaper. An article, it's it, it, there was definite articles, right? Yeah, oh my gosh, definite articles and what's the other? Indefinite articles, thank you. Definite articles, indefinite articles. An indefinite article is words like a, an. Those are indefinite. Like, you know, there is a car. I own a car. A definite article is words like the. Right? If I say I own the car, you're immediately going to start looking for which one. I own the car or that car. You say, which one? If I say a car, you okay, that's great. Jesus didn't say, I am a truth. See, the world wants to say, oh, no, 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 no. There's lots of truths. 
yours is good for you and mine is good for me. No, no, Jesus said he is the truth. Now, he could be a, he could be a liar. That's one of the options. Well, that's another message. And way of the truth in life. What else? He is, oh, 30 times in the book of Matthew alone, Jesus says to the people he's talking to, I tell you the truth. Why? Because we're always so suspecting. Is this the truth? Is this the truth? How many people have been fact-checking in the last couple of months? I have. I, I mean, I'm not believing anything I read. And you know why I don't believe anything I read on the Internet? Because Abraham Lincoln said so. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln said, don't believe anything you read on the Internet. 30 times in the book of Matthew, says, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. What, so he is good. He is the truth. He's the way. He's the life. He's also love. Jeremiah 31 says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Nobody has ever done that. The one who comes closest in my life now has been my mom because she's loved me when I was a baby and she changed my diaper and she just, she has a love for me. Someday my wife will change my diaper too. And we'll find out if she really loves me. <laughs> Do you know why baby diapers are called pampers and loves and huggies? Little baby diapers are called pampers, loves, and huggies because when they make a mess on them, you still hug them and you pamper them and you love them. You know why adult diapers are called depends? Because <laughs> they're only going to love you and do that depending on if they're in the will or not. I have loved you with an everlasting love. John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he let Jesus die for us. Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrates his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We were bad. We were ugly. We were doing all of these things. We were blasphemers. You, some people were murderers. We were liars. We were cheaters. And God looked and says, I love that. And I am not that good of a person. There's people out who've hurt me and wounded me. And when the, I just, I, I cannot love them. I try. But God loved you so much that no matter how far away you were, while you were far away, he looked and he saw you and he called you by your name. And he says, I love you and I will die for you. We love him, but John 4 says, because he first loved us. Don't think that you loved God and then God started loving you because you loved him. We love him because he loved us first. And we finally woke up to the reality that he was good, that he was true, that he was loving. And he says, I surrender. And he says, I'm so glad because my angels are tired from keeping you alive until now because I love you with an ever lasting love. Psalm 86, 15 says this. What else is he? But you, O Lord, are compassionate and gracious and slow to anger. He would make a good taxi driver. He would never get anger with people who cut him off. He's compassionate. He's gracious. He's slow to anger. He abounds in love and faithfulness. So many in this room could say, if I could just meet somebody who was faithful. Some, some of you, in this room, when you were young, you were just looking for somebody who was hot and sexy. You married that one. It didn't work out very well. 
And then you said, if I could just find somebody who was faithful. <laughs> it's kind of true sometimes, isn't it? You know what? Faithfulness, way better than hot and sexy. I don't care how old you are. If you want a good man, short, fat, ugly, and bald, that's what the song says. It's got to be truth. We're looking for faithfulness and God says he's compassionate and gracious and he's slow to anger and he's abounding in love and faithfulness. And Psalm 116 says he is gracious and righteous and he's full of compassion. Exodus thirty-three, We talked about this in our group, on our life group on, on Thursday. So if you're in my life group and didn't go and look it up, we'll... Afterwards, we're going to go there right now. Exodus chapter 33. Moses said something. He was bold. Moses was bold. Exodus 33, 18. He's talking to God. And and he says, God, show me your glory. I've, I've been alive long enough and reading this word of God that I don't know if I'd ever pray that prayer. No, I, I've prayed it. But it's scary prayer. Because the glory of God is so incredibly amazing. And God, this is his reply. I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. Listen, the na- names are important. We talked about this a little bit a couple weeks ago. Names are, used to be important. They're not anymore. I wish they still were. People named their children for a reason, and then God would come and rename them often. People would rename them because of their character, and, it, and their name represented their character. I've actually had people tell me I should change my name. <laughs> Rob. I've had two guitars r- stolen from me. I've had multiple bicycles. I've had my house broken into. I was mugged at knife point, and they stole. I mean, you know, maybe they're right. Maybe I need to change my name, but I don't know if I would listen to anyone. But names, and God says, I will proclaim my name to you. When you see the name thing in the Bible, you need to understand that it's not just Harry, you know. It's not just Fred. There's a reason behind it, and it's connected to the character and nature of that person. That's why in the Bible there's so many names of God. You've heard some of them, El Shaddai, the Jehovah's, the, the Jehovah Shalom, and the Jehovah Nissi, and the Jehovah Jireh. He's our provider. He's our banner. He's our healer. He's, these are his names because they represent his character. And he says, I will pass before you, and my goodness will pass before you. I will proclaim the name, and, and, and he says, I'll be gracious to him. I'll be gracious. And, and he goes on, and he says, but you cannot see my face. So, so he says, I... Uh, no man shall see my face and live. And the Lord says, here's a place by me. Stand on the rock, and it'll be while my glory passes by you that I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I'll take it away, my hand, and you shall see my back. But my face shall not be seen. Okay? And then God does it. Oh, and this is also where he cuts out the stone tablets, by the way. I'm going down to verse chapter 34. And the Lord passed, starting in verse 6, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, 
visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. Merciful and gracious and long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth and keeping mercy for thousands and forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin and church, that's just his backside. (laughs) That's a pretty impressive backside. That's not even his face. You can't even understand the glory and goodness of God. He's so amazing. I have been working for the last couple of years on not using the word awesome for anything but God because He is the only really thing in this world that is awesome. He is so good. He is so good. And you know that When God created mankind, he created us to have fellowship with him. This amazing being wants to have relationship with his people. He created mankind. He created Adam and Eve, and he put them in the Garden of Eden. And the Bible says that he would walk with them in the cool of the day. God just wants to hang out with you hang out with me. He wants to have a relationship. And sin came in and separated us, but through Jesus Christ, the barrier of sin has been removed and we can walk with God in the cool of the day again. We can talk with Him. You don't have to talk at Him. You can talk with Him. He'll actually talk back. He'll do things inside of your heart your mind and your life if you'll just sit and be in His presence. Listen to Him. Be with Him. We're so busy. We're so, we try to do so much. We spend so much of our time giving Him our prayer lists and fulfilling, okay, I told these people I'm going to pray for them, so I've got to pray for them. And what day is it? It's Tuesday, so let me flip to Tuesday. I'll pray for these nine items. On Wednesday, I pray for a different nine items. There's not necessarily anything wrong with that, but if that's all you're doing with God, you're missing out on a big part of what He wants you to do. Just close your book and hang out. God the Father sent us, sent to us, God the Holy Spirit to indwell in us to live inside of us. So we, it's not said that way. We, we say, God the Father sent us the Holy Spirit. And we think that the Holy Spirit is like this thing, like Casper the Ghost, kind of. God the Father sent us, God the Holy Spirit, to live inside of us, to indwell us, so we could always have fellowship with God. He wants to have fellowship with us. And the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, brings things to our remembrance and He indwells us. John 8, 32 says this, You shall know the truth, Jesus the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Jesus is the truth. And He wants us to know Him, fully, personally know Him. And when we know Him personally, we will be free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. He wants to have relationship with each of us. What's the best way to know someone? 
It's not on Fakebook. <laughs> Being with him. Spend time with him. The creator of the universe. God Almighty, El Shaddai, sat on my couch this morning as I prayed and I closed my computer. I hung out with God in front of the fireplace. It was so tempting to pick up my computer, make some more notes, or go and make a cup of coffee. Or, and I just kept telling myself, just sit in his presence. And as I did, I knew he was with me. said I was going to talk about some of the promises of the candidates. All the promises of the devil are lies. doesn't matter what he's promised you. It's a lie. The promises of God are good and they're full in here. Go find them for yourself. That's your homework. If you're having a problem, there's a book called God's Promises for Your Every Need. I encourage you to get it and read it. There's scriptures, what God's promised you. If he's good and he's true and he's faithful, you can count on those promises for your life. One of the promises says that he will never leave you or forsake you. I don't care what a numbskull you are. I don't care how much you've messed up. He will never leave you. Ever. I know who I'm going to vote for. but I have to remember that every time I make a vote. Joshua, in his, one of his farewell addresses, we know this passage, it was towards the end of his, his life, and he lined up all the people, and he has this big speech, and he basically tells them, you're all going to just keep choosing the wrong thing. Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's a daily choice. Sometimes it's an hourly choice. Your choice is your vote. Praise God, you could have voted wrong yesterday. This morning you may have voted wrong, but you can vote right today and tomorrow. Because he every day, the, the, the choices that we have, will I listen to the enemy? Will I listen to my flesh? Or will I listen to God? Will I do the things that God is leading me into? You don't have to do it on your own. You can do it with the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask the, uh, whoever's handing out the communion to go ahead and pass it. So just begin to pass out the elements. When you get them, don't, don't take them yet. And then as best as you can, before you, before you all zipped up, because we're not done. We're going to just keep talking a little bit. Because this is the moment that, that, that you've been presented and we've been presented many times in our life. And, and, but today, if you're visiting or you're, you're here, maybe you've been with us a long time, but you have never fully voted for the first time Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. You have never made that choice. Again, these are going to just come out, pass the things along, keep listening. If you've never made that choice, I want to encourage you, today is the day that you vote for Jesus. Today is the day that you say, I'm going to vote for you. I'm going to put you as the king of my life. And it's very simple. You don't have to pray some 
magic prayer. It doesn't have to be a specific, but it does have to be a sincere talk with God. Sometimes we use the word prayer and it freaks people out. They go, well, I don't know how to pray. Do you know how to talk? Then you know how to pray. All you're going to do is talk to God from a heart that says, God, I've, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life and I can't seem to do this thing on my own. I need help. And I'm listening to Pastor Rob this morning and he is saying that the Bible teaches this image of you that maybe I never understood that you're good and that you're full of truth and love and faithfulness and that you forgive sins. Well, I've got a lot of them, God. And you know them. And I ask, forgive me of my sin. I can't carry the weight anymore. And I don't understand this whole salvation thing, but I know I'm far from you and I've, I don't have you in my life, so come into my life. Pastor Rob said that, that you would live inside of me and, and, and talk with me. I want that. I want the Holy Spirit to live inside of me and dwell me because I can't do this anymore. My sin has separated me from you. I've made bad choices and I need you in my life, so forgive me my sin. Come into my life. I commit myself to you. I, I pray that if you're here and have never done that, that you would just do that. Right now, right? And I hope you did it with me, that you're doing that right now in your heart. For the rest of us, who do you vote for? The choices are obvious to you. They're obvious to some other people, maybe too. They're obvious to God. I think all of us need to pray a prayer of something like this, God. I don't always listen to the right voice. I allow the other candidate to speak things into my mind. And I choose anger. I choose lust. I choose drunkenness. I choose bitterness and unforgiveness. I choose thinking bad things about myself. I want the truth to be in my mind and my heart that I would only think and choose truth and not the lies of the enemy. And I don't even know the difference between the truth and the lies sometimes. So Holy Spirit, come into my life. Help me to know the difference. I want to know the truth because I need to be set free. Help me to listen to the truth. Help me to live with the truth. Help my, a- help my actions and the things that I do on a daily basis be the proof that I am voting for you, God. Empower me. See, all these things are only possible, church, because of the sacrifice of what Jesus did for us. We can't be good enough on our own. Been there, done that, it doesn't work. We can only let Christ live in and through us. The Bible says, in Him we live and move and have our being. In Him. Outside of Him, we just can't do it. So it's this crazy concept that we live in Him and He lives inside of us, which makes us fully protected, fully empowered. And He does that because He paid the price for our sin so that we could be forgiven of it. 
not try harder not to do it and gain his forgiveness. That's why communion is so important. It's recognizing that it was his body and his blood and we didn't deserve it. The night before Jesus allowed himself to be whipped, scourged, and beaten, and drug that heavy cross up to Golgotha and allowed his hands and feet to be pierced and the crown of thorns to be put on him, which he did just for me. He did it for you. The night before he did that, he was having a meal with his disciples, and he took something very similar to this. It would have been a matzah cracker, unleavened bread. And he says, this is a new covenant I'm making with you. This is something new. He says, this bread doesn't represent the, the, the journey out of Egypt anymore. This bread now represents my body, which is broken for you. And they didn't even understand what was going to happen yet. My body was broken for you, for your healing, for your life. So when you eat this bread, do it in remembrance of my sacrifice for you. Let's thank him for this. God, thank you for the bread. We take this bread and receive it together. And Jesus, at that same dinner, he took the cup of, of wine probably, and he said, this represents the new covenant in my blood. And again, they go, well, I don't understand this yet. The next day, it all came to light because they saw his blood and they put the pieces together because, see, they were used to going to the temple and sacrificing and they were used to taking a lamb in their own house and putting it on the door because they remembered the stories from Egypt and Jesus was saying, no, listen, that Passover lamb that they did to get out of Egypt, that's nothing in comparison to what I'm going to do for you tomorrow. I'm going to be the Passover lamb and I'm going to let my blood spill for you so that you cannot remember and get out of Egypt but you can forever be forgiven of sins and be set free from hell and the devil. And that's my covenant that I love you with an everlasting love and I do this for you for your sin. So Heavenly Father, we thank you that you sent Jesus for us. We put our hope and trust in you. We vote for you today as our Savior and we thank you for the covenant that you made. We commit our lives afresh to you in Jesus' name. Let's drink together. And after that, how could you vote for anybody else? God, we thank you for who you are. Says that you are good, you cannot change. Thank you. We put our hope, our trust, and we commit ourselves fresh to you today. And God, I'd say, be with each and every one of us each day. Bring your word to our remembrance. Help us to know you more deeply as we walk this journey of faith, growing one step closer to you, God. Help us to trust you to lead us into the right way. I pray a blessing. Pray your blessing upon each and every one here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.